This is Talking Points, Ken's politics podcast. Hello and welcome to Talking Points, Kent's politics podcast. I am Oliver Kemp and I'm with my co-host Paul Francis, the Kames political editor. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing good, thanks, Ollie. Good. Uh, just a quick apologies to anyone who's listening. I am pretty ill today, um, so I sound a bit coldy. And if I cough, I'm sorry. I might cough in sympathy as well. There you go. Well, that'd be nice. Down to brisket eat, biscuit eating before the podcast. Brisket eating as well. Brisket eat. That's very posh. Brisket, yeah. Just <laughs> eats brisket up in the, up yes. in the uh, editing room. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, great. Two ill, Ill co-hosts. That's good, isn't it? So, um, there's quite a few things to talk about today, but it's safe to say it's a, generally a bit of a quiet week on the political front. Yeah, it's. I mean, you, you sort of uh, hesitate to call things weeks as quiet ones, but uh, just genuinely there are sometimes weeks when you know there's stuff happening but it's not major headline grabbing stuff so this is one of those weeks where there's kind of few a smorgasbord of kind of some interesting issues Mm. oh you say headline writing maybe not as good but is big Ben being bonged a waste of money is a pretty good headline yes and uh you wonder whether it's got so much coverage just because newspaper subs are delighting in these alliterative headlines full of full of bees uh, which could mean something else, but yeah. Yes. So this is obviously the idea that we could, um, there could be a sort of commemorative bong of Big Ben whilst it's still under maintenance to mark uh, Brexit. That's right, isn't it? That's right. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And it's caused a bit of a stir for some reason. Well, because it could cost half a million quid. Well, this is uh, where you try and untangle the uh, fiction from the facts. Now, Prime Minister Boris Johnson apparently uh, came out with uh, a. A statement saying that uh, it would cost half a million pounds to um, get Big Ben to bong on July the 31st. Hmm. Uh, that proved a, no one seems to know where that figure came from, but uh, it led uh, the well known Brexiteer MP Mark Francois to launch a kind of crowdfunding campaign in order to raise the money to get Big Ben to strike just at the moment that we leave the EU in a kind of symbolic kind of gesture. Uh, and it's caused a bit of a stir with the Brexit party saying that the government's uh, too embarrassed to celebrate the departure from the European Union. So it's all gone a bit weird in one of those stories, which not terribly much substance to it, but has got got a lot of airspace and a lot of time in the newspapers. I mean, half a million quid's a lot of money if, if that genuinely is how much it would cost. But yes. I mean, you know, Big Ben's already there. There's already a bong there, isn't there? Well, there is... you. What this, this whole situation has been complicated by the fact that Big Ben is under kind of renovation and refurbishment. So, the the backup plan is to bring in some heavy duty speakers and uh, relay the chimes, a recording of the chimes, uh, which is not really the same as having Big Ben bong itself, but yeah. is kind of the, the the fallback position. Now, you know, obviously, there's a lot of people who think that we should mark uh, our departure from the European Union by by doing something, um, and there's equally a lot of people who think, well, I can I can think of better ways to spend half a million quid. And in fact, we had uh, one of our guests on the latest Paul on Politics show this week uh, was a prospective parliamentary candidate in Kent for the Brexit Party, uh, Evie Martin, and uh, she said 
uh, quite surprisingly in some ways, that it, she felt it was a complete waste of time and money and it would be better spent on giving to food banks, for example. Which is hard to argue, to be honest. It, it is hard to argue, but because we're scrupulously neutral in these things, Ollie, we have to say that's one side of the argument. Ah, of course, of yeah. course. But, you know, yeah. if I mean, it is you, half a million, that's that would be a, a significant amount of money. Yeah. That's that's more than, than fireworks, fireworks displays are spent on. You know, that's, a, that's quite a yeah, significant a, amount of money. There's a lot of it? newly qualified teachers you could appoint for schools, yeah. you know, social workers, etc., etc. So, yeah, but uh, the argument goes on, and I think this is simply the, uh, the, the, the fact that the Brexit Party wants to keep keep itself on the agenda uh, by uh, going down this particular road in terms of saying saying that the country has to have something which marks our departure from the European Quite Union. Quite a short road with um, like a single track road that goes yes. to a cul-de-sac really, isn't it? Well, There's not really much places you can go yeah. with that. As a, I mean, as I a... don't know. I, I, you know. If I was devoted to the cause of Brexit, I suppose I might be inclined to go and stand outside Parliament at midnight on July 31st. Uh, but I probably wouldn't. Mm, mm, absolutely. Talking points. Ken's politics podcast. We usually do the jargon at the end of the at the end of the episode. Yeah, but, we do. But one of our topics today kind of feels like we may as well do it early on because we need to talk about DCOs. So I need to say, Paul, what on earth is a DCO? Well, I, I'll tell you what a DCO is. It's it's a development consent order, and it's uh, it's something which developers sometimes apply for. Uh, for large-scale infrastructure projects. I hate saying large-scale infrastructure projects because that in itself is a bit of jargon. Yeah, that sounds jargony. Um, and the background to us talking about a DCO is this latest development on the story of uh, Manston Airport in Thanet. Which has been like a an epic story from the beginning, hasn't it? Well, we it, seem to hear a lot about Manston Airport and nothing particularly seems to change there. Yeah, that's that's right. There's a long history... Uh, associated with the plans to try and uh, restore the, uh, the the aviation airfield to a working airport. And a quick bit of background, uh, there's been a, uh, an attempt by a, a consortium called River Oak Partnerships to, to do just that. They want to reopen the airport as a cargo aviation hub. So I've used two banned words, hub and avi- infrastructure, already. A so bumper I've, episode. Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, had to go through this process of applying for a development consent order. Uh, and there was a big inquiry into the development consent order, both sides in the argument, those who want it to, to be an airport, so those who don't want it to be an airport, uh, gave lots of evidence at uh, the public inquiry. Uh, and we were anticipating a uh, decision sort of now, basically, but there was an announcement on uh, Friday that... The, uh, the government was delaying it for a further four months to take into account fresh representations. So, I mean, this this seems to not be a, a, um, one an issue happening in one place. These, these DCOs seem to be happening all over the place because we also have the Lower Thames Crossing, which has been a particularly contentious DCO. There you go, I'm using yes. my inverted... Well, inverted it, it, what's, what's interesting about the DCO for the, the Dartford Crossing is they haven't actually even got as far as submitting a formal request for a DCO because they had so much uh, response to the initial consultation on the proposed new route of the Dartford Crossing that they, it's taken them much longer to get through it. So the um, so the, the actual, they haven't even started a- applying for a DCO. Uh, so that just to give you an indication that it's not a unique uh, and 
can and has happened uh, in other big big projects. I mean, that there was like to- a total of almost twenty nine thousand responses to that public consultation on the lower Thames. That's so. There's a significant amount of of, of discussion, I guess, that has to be had over over the. Yeah, I mean, if you if you have a DCO and there's a planning inquiry, expect to get lots of representations and lots of people submitting evidence and lots of arguments going on between the two sides, and that's precisely what happened in the case of the. Manston DCO. However, it, you know, there was an awful lot of discussion that went on in the inquiry, which was examining the DCO application. And some people are sort of questioning why there has to be a fresh delay and why there needs to be another period of time when um, uh, for the DCO to be considered. The government's being a bit tight-lipped about this, uh, not really saying what specifically it's got in mind in terms of uh, why it regards an extension as necessary. Isn't it a good thing though that if we that there are being lots of discussions had over these large scale projects because we need to make the right decision on them going forward. So is it, yeah. is, it is it a good thing that they're being things are being taken into consideration and that decisions taking a bit of time? Yeah, I don't think anyone would argue against that. I mean, but the the uh, the reality is that um, DCOs were kind of are are part of the planning process, which is designed to speed up. Uh, decision makings on kind of important infrastructure projects there we go again i've said it again oh dear we need a big bend bomb i'll have it? to pay the uh the fine for uh, using uh jargon it's myself. a high fine as well yeah so especially for infrastructure and especially for hubs yeah um, but back to the point you're making there's always been lots of concerns that some of these big projects like terminal fiber heathrow just have taken so long to get through the process that uh that it's all, almost as if they kind of. Um, uh, and I'll start that again. It's 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 almost too long, and by the time a decision is reached, the circumstances of the application might have changed, or the the, the need for for what is planned has changed. So DCOs are designed to speed up the process, but they can be subject to delays themselves. Basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. There. So it could be a bit too much more hit them um, of bureaucracy, layers of bureaucracy yes. stopping things from getting yeah. through. And speaking, I mean, of Manston, this is in generally is generally related, but but lorry parks in Kent, yes. which, of which Manston could have been one. Well, it still or could, could be, be one, one yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. So I know that um, Natalie Elphick has spoken out, the Dover and Deal MP, yeah. about. The fact that we don't have any lorry parks in Kent. No, um, this is uh, another issue which has got a long backstory, uh, but I'll start in 2015. Please the pod- do. Podcast might last a bit longer than we anticipated. <laughs> but uh, basically, the government um, bowed to pressure to come up with something to deal with uh, the adverse consequences of Operation Stack. That was the predecessor kind of um, traffic management scheme to Operation Brock which involved closing the M20, and, and closing the M20 is not surprisingly, un, unsurprisingly, popular with lots, with many people. No, so, no, not not that surprising, that information. So when he was Chancellor Gord, Gordon Brown, I've, I've got a bad mistake there, George oh. Osborne, when he was Chancellor, announced there'd be £250 million to invest in uh, and build a, a permanent lorry park somewhere in Kent. Five years on, get, how, how far do you think we are down the road, Ollie? Not too far, I should no, imagine. No, it's kind of stalled. Uh, it's, it's been in limbo. Uh, the site they chose, they had to abandon because of this legal challenge over the environmental impact. Chris Grayling, the uh, then Transport Secretary, said that the Department of Transport would identify sites in 2018, go out to public consultation in 2019, 
and neither of those two things have happened. So there's an attempt, I get the sense that there's a concerted political attempt here going on in Kent to uh, to kind of renew uh, the pressure uh, on the government to sort this out because with Operation Brock disappearing, uh, there's still the there's sort of slight possibility that Operation Stack could be on the comeback trail. Mm. Let's put it like that. If. And th- and this is the thing, we're, we're fast approaching Brexit, we haven't had anything sorted out for this, Operation Brock's going, TAP is always employed, which is another a traffic management measure for lorries around Dover, On the I think it's in the A256, is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah, it's on that big steep hill going down to the port. Yeah, yeah, so there are measures in place, but but in theory, you know, if there's a lot of congestion happening post-Brexit and there are no lorry parks we're going to be in a position where there's an urgent need of it and, and, and there's nothing in place. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and the the, the government is uh, kind of aware about, of this. And I was trying to find out from the Department for Transport this week uh, what part uh, the, uh, the, you know, whether there would be some version of Operation Stack uh, as the kind of contingency measure and they were a bit reluctant to sort of answer specifically, uh, said that there was, it was possibly part of a package of measures, including Dover Tap, but uh, Operation Stack, they said, would only come back as a last resort. So they're, they're, they're definitely downplaying the possibility that we could uh, have to see Operation Stack enforced um, at some point, if you know, not because of Brexit, but you know, if there's bad weather causing delays crossing the channel, French industrial action, etc. Then there may be a need to uh, bring it back in some sort of modded, modified fashion. Because I, I think there may be, and um, you know, I may be wrong about this, but there may be a misconception that, and we've spoke about this on episodes before, that as the, the day we leave Brexit, there'll be lorries queuing up for miles on end approaching yes. Dover, which is very unlikely to happen. It's, it is unlikely to happen, and I think, and it's unlikely to happen in the, the next 10, 11 months because all the existing arrangements stay in place until the UK has negotiated the terms of various deals and decided what arrangements need to be in place for customs checks and border checks. So there's no immediate threat, but uh, uh, it's worth remembering that you know Operation Stack uh, has been triggered for... No other for reasons other than Brexit. It's not, you know, it, it's come into play because of you know, as we say, possible delays caused caused by bad weather. Nothing really to do with Brexit. This is Talking Points, Kent's politics podcast. So there's another thing that we talked about last week, um, Paul, which is Labour leadership, which yes. is, is going to be one of the, I think one of the one of the talking points we probably return to over the coming months because it is going to define the makeup of the next sort of era of the Labour Party, I suppose. Yes, it is, yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, quite an interesting contest. Uh, and and uh, uh, one of the most not- notable uh, uh, events so far has been uh, a confession by Jess Phillips that uh, she's finding the uh, the, the hustings uh, skills that are needed are not quite in her own skill set. Uh, yeah, this came off the the Saturday evening hustings in in Liverpool, wasn't it? Yes. And um, there, there were, I had a little look on social media, and there was a fair bit of criticism that was laid across a lot of them of the the people that were involved in the hustings in the first place. That, that there was a, a a bit of sloganeering, all felt yeah. a little bit one note. Yeah, I, that that tends to happen with leadership contests. Uh, the 
the, the, the sort of the the contenders in the race are very reluctant to put a foot wrong, uh, and that does tend to lead to tonally kind of very uh, uh, safe kind of spinning of their core messages, and with uh, not terribly much in terms of specifics. So uh, Jess Phillips has um, sort of confessed that she finds his approach to the kind of the contest uh, not uh, not sort of something that she's good at. So she's going for the unspun kind of version of uh, of, of of trying to uh, get a, get her kind of foot through the door, basically. Which in theory could work because it's a different approach, right? It is, and you know, one of the things that politicians are often kind of criticised for is 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 not talking the same language as the people they uh, aspire to represent and uh, are kind of, of course trapped in this uh, fear. Of this vortex of fear that you know a misspoken statement or some kind of uh, uh, confusion over policy will cost them their their place in the race. Uh, I don't think Jess Phillips is one of the leading contenders anyway, but it is in part of me thinks it's actually quite refreshing to see a politician say, "Well, you know, we're, we're all trying to um, avoid." making mistakes and it's leading to a very dull contest so i'm just going to speak my mind isn't it also true at this point that whoever wins this contest is probably not going to be near downing street at any point anyway well i i think that is the reality uh in terms of where we are at the moment you you never know what uh, might happen over the next year of course but uh, i think as things stand uh what labor is looking for is someone who can steady the ship basically and maybe be a safer pair of hands uh, than it was under Mr Corbyn. Absolutely. Uh, and another candidate I think is interesting to talk about is um, Rebecca Long-Bailey, who's been endorsed as the Momentum candidate. Yes. Um, I mean, what what is it about her that might appeal to that hard left wing of the Labour Party, that section of Momentum supporters? And, and might that actually damage her prospects with regular Labour voters who aren't yeah. part of Momentum? Yeah, I mean, the, the key challenge that uh, Labour's got is trying to recover the kind of middle ground that it, uh, it had uh, when Tony Blair was Prime Minister. Uh, and, you know, going down that uh, kind of uh, that particular left uh, left hand drive, as it were, um, <laughs> left hand drive oh, yes. that's new I like that <laughs> uh, going down that particular path is something which is not necessarily going to attract more moderate uh, supporters uh, I mean to be fair to Rebecca Long-Bailey she has said she, she's, she, um, she's not uh, going to follow in Corbyn's footsteps to you know in every single fashion but she, as you rightly say she's definitely the the pick of the, uh, the the left wing of the party, and this is why I suppose that Keir Starmer is being doubted by a lot of people as a as a good potential leader because he is seen as more moderate centre. Yes, uh, but the route to power involves making sure that you pick up enough support in that kind of constituency, uh, because if you don't, uh, um, we've said this countless times in Kent, you can't get the keys to Downing Street without winning certain seats in Kent. Uh, and, you know, if you look at what happened in the December election, Labour's vote kind of went into freefall, basically, in some of these constituencies. So they've, they're not starting from a particular... The new leader won't be starting from a particular position in which, you know, Labour only narrowly lost certain seats in Kent. They got smashed in Kent, basically. Yeah, um, one, one MP 
and one MP, one MP yeah, in yeah. a kind of atypical constituency. You know, mm. not uh, Canterbury is not like the the three constituencies in the Medway towns. Exactly. Well, we'll be following that obviously with interest. Um, we will be back next week with more more political stories. Uh, there might be more going on locally. Um, we obviously talk about the national picture as usual. And I'll be getting my money out to put in the. Uh, jargon fine you will jar. you will and hopefully i'll be i'll not be trying not to splutter across um our conversation you, next you week. did very well thank you very much <laughs> see you everyone next week talking points ken's politics podcast 